The most haunted is a phrase used probably far too often. And how would you even measure such a thing? People have tried. You can find lists of most haunted homes, cities, states, etc. all over the internet. Mainstream publications like National Geographic and Forbes even write about such things. Yeah, Forbes has weighed into the most haunted debates. But if you were to ask anyone what the most haunted city in America is, chances are they'll say New Orleans. And if you were to ask what the most haunted house is in the United States, chances are high that a home near New Orleans tops the list. The Myrtles Plantation in St. Francisville, Louisiana. Tonight, I discuss the history of the Myrtles Plantation, a history that perfectly mixes legend and fact to create a unique destination for skeptics and believers alike. What's real? What's fake? And what's it like to stay the night in the most haunted house in America? This is a study of strange. Welcome to the show, I'm Michael May. Here we are stepping into the Halloween season with the Myrtles Plantation. And tonight my guest has stayed at the Myrtles Plantation. And this man, a filmmaker, and sincerely one of my favorite writers in Hollywood. Oh, thank uh, you. Yeah. This is Bill Weirdy. Welcome to the show. Hey, how are you doing? Good, good. So the Myrtles, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's a it's a bed and breakfast today. There's also like a restaurant. You can take tours. Like... Oh, I don't know if there was a restaurant when I went there. Oh, really? So, There's I, a I restaurant. Mean, I was, it yeah. was 10 years ago when I was there. This Got was 2012. It. Uh, I was filming a movie in Shreveport, and then when we wrapped, I was like, well, I'm going to go to New Orleans, and this yeah. was on the way, and our mutual friend Rich Walgamuth had stayed here before when he was filming uh, in Louisiana, and he's the one that told me about it, and I'll talk about his story. Oh, good, good, because yeah. I didn't realize that. I'm, I'm yeah. excited to hear that. Um, yeah, they have a restaurant today, because oh, I've obviously nice. diving into a lot of research. They have a restaurant yeah. there. I don't know if it's in the, the house, and maybe on a different different oh, okay. thing on the property. Maybe uh, they opened up the dining room. There's a Ooh, that room. would be amazing. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so I met you through horror movies and scary things and you want to make horror movies and scary movies but there's more to having you on this episode than just being a filmmaker that likes scary stories and that's because you can actually comment on those experiences that you you may have had so i'm looking forward to it however first before we get into your story i'm going to save it for the end i'm going to do some history first yeah but let me ask you right away what was your your kind of inspiration to stay there? Did you just go because it was fun or did you want to investigate? Did you want to debunk? Like, why why do it? It was, yeah, well, like I went there because I was like, from what Rich told me, it sounded like a cool haunted place. And I was like, maybe I'll see a ghost. Yeah. Which, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm sort of in that half and half out because I'm a very scientific thinker mm-hmm. and not very religious. So it's like, you know, I believe in ghosts kind of, but then also like, you know, don't know if I do. It's like one of those things where I don't try to disprove it. It's like, yeah, I kind of want to yeah. see it. Um, but then once you're in the thick of it and you're there by yourself, all of a sudden yeah. you're like, I don't want to see a gift anymore. Yep. Yep. And the stories, the, the stories, cause I'm in a similar boat. I'm a, I'm a skeptic, but I want to believe I love ghost hunting. I love the experiences. I love the stories. I love the places. 
but there is something about hearing things like when you go and you take the tour and they talk about the mirror and they talk about the plantation and some of the history that has an effect on your belief even if you go in being a full skeptic i feel like it's gonna it's gonna affect you in some way so yeah let me do a a little housekeeping real quick sorry right now everybody thank you all for for listening and supporting the show we do have a giveaway on patreon right now i think it's for like the next 30 days so you can check out information for that on a study of strange dot com uh also if you like the pod or if you don't like the pod but you, you like hearing me for i don't know that's a weird thing to say but i the point is subscribe subscribing is really important for everybody in and the review if you don't like it tell yeah. them what you don't like tell me you what you don't it. like exactly yeah. and also you can email me ideas for stories things that you think i got wrong opinions a study of strange at gmail.com and uh what's the giveaway by the way you said it but oh the giveaway away? yeah yeah it's funny because i've gotten to a habit of not saying <laughs> what it is and i really should be doing that uh so it's a you get a personalized video from me for anybody that signs up for any Ooh. any level on patreon and i'm gonna have some fun with that so cool. so that's what's going on uh also have you left a review bill have you listened? i did oh did you really i oh, did nice, yeah, I, t- nice. I texted you uh or no oh, emailed you right after i did it nice nice yeah. well thank you so much for that so what I'm going to do, I've done history. I've done history. I've done history before. <laughs> uh, no, I've done research into the history of the plantation. And I, I think it's I think it's just going to be more interesting for everybody to kind of hear the history and some of the most famous haunted tales before we actually get into like your personal experiences. Sure. But feel free to comment on them because uh, as I'm sure people can assume, there are a lot of different versions of some of these stories. And a lot of the, like, I wanted to find old newspaper articles and stuff like that, which you can't find some of, but especially in the 1800s, I think most of that research, if you really want to get into records, you have to go to like LSU and go to the library and stuff, which I obviously can't do from California right now. Microfiche rooms. Right, right. I love microfiche. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But I think the history is going to give some, some credence or some validity or some weight to if it is haunted and if you do believe in those things, I think the history is why that that would be the case. I mean, yeah. that's generally the assumption with spirits and ghosts. If you are a believer, when you hear these stories about the Myrtle's Plantation, it's kind of easy to believe it's haunted. But I think if you're a skeptic, it's kind of just as easy to debunk. And I don't know if you'll fully agree with that, and you don't have to. In fact, it may be interesting if you don't agree with me on it as we go through, Bill. But like some of the photos of spirits, I'm like, no, that's fake. Some of the stories I've already been able to debunk. So so that's why I say it's kind of, but there's enough there. There's enough history there. There's enough things going on that's like it's easy to believe it, and it's easy to to not believe it, depending on where you land in the paranormal belief system. So up front, I'm going to mention that Myrtle's Plantation, they typically say they have 12 ghosts, that there have been 10 murders over the 200 years of existence. Some of that is true. Some of that is false. One thing I'll point out right away, I've been reading books and and looking at the millions of YouTube videos and articles you can find online. I find very little actually mentioned about the day-to-day life of slavery on the plantation. There are anecdotes. There's obviously a famous ghost. You and I have already talked off I almost said off camera, but off microphone uh, a a little bit about. So there are like anecdotal stories, but there's not a lot of history of slavery on the plantation, which they obviously it was a working plantation. So there was slavery. Life could not have been good, um, which I think is if a place is haunted and if it's tied to emotion and energy and all that kind of stuff. I would imagine that slavery is a huge part of that. 
So it's actually, I find it very disappointing that you don't know more about it on the property. Yeah, most of the stories are about what the goings on in the house. In the house itself, yeah. yeah. All right, so here we are, the history of the Myrtles Plantation. It is in St. Francisville, Louisiana. And in 1794, a deputy attorney general, a guy named David Bradford of Pennsylvania, he always he always wanted a house by a swamp, which I don't judge As him on. Does. Yeah, I'm from Florida. <laughs> I actually do like swamps. He would get his chance because he was a major player in the Whiskey Rebellion, and he had to flee Pennsylvania. And he, I went down a rabbit hole of research on the Whiskey Rebellion, and I was like, no, that's not the episode. It's Halloween time. Let's talk yeah. about ghosts. What am I doing? What was he fleeing from? So the Whiskey Rebellion was, it's essentially a tax put on oh, okay. certain libations, like creation and selling gotcha. of it, uh, in the early days of the United States government. And a lot of people rebelled, especially in Pennsylvania. There were riots, there were fights, things were set on fire. Gotcha. And George Washington sent in the military, and it was like the first show of might from the federal government oh. early on in the, in the okay. country's history. So Bradford was one of the people as part of the rebellion. He had to leave, otherwise he might have gone to prison. Yeah. Was he rebelling because he was in that industry? Like, did he create... I don't think he was in the industry, but it was more of like a supporting people in the industry and also oh, okay. he probably he may have drank i don't know so you're yeah, having to pay more for your whiskey now yeah, so okay um whatever the case he was involved in that and he had to flee now it's funny because there are a lot of stories that there's like valiant stories of him jumping out of his second floor window and landing on his horse and escaping at night and getting in gunfights oh, with wow. soldiers chasing him None of that's true. He actually just kind of like moseyed out of town. Just I was moved. like, I should leave because I might go to prison. Um, so it's it's really funny to come across those things. Uh, the truth is that they might not have even wanted to arrest him because it would have caused more fighting and they just kind of wanted stuff to chill out. Okay. Like that was the plan from the government. It's like, just just calm down, please. Yeah. So this might uh, just be the story he told people when yeah, he got yeah, to when Louisiana. He was, yeah, absolutely. Um, Louisiana is not part of the country at the time. That's why he can escape to there and get away this from pre, this. pre-purchase? Yes, yes. It is part of France. So he ends up, a couple years after the, he escapes from the rebellion, uh, he ends up building a modest eight-bedroom home that he called Laurel Grove. And then he was acquitted, I think in 1798 or 1799, he was acquitted by the then then president, who I think was Adams. I think it was John Adams. Okay. And so he went back up to Pennsylvania. He got his family because he had a, a wife and kids. Oh, he left them. Yeah, he had to leave them. Solo. Yeah. Okay. Um, so he had got the family. Very valiant. <laughs> yeah. Got the family, moved them down to uh, the property. Oh, my notes. Just uh, Laurel Grove. There we go. Uh, he got his family and moved them down to the property, Laurel Grove. And some say that he cursed the land. And this is because he, again, this is just legend. There is no proof to any of this. But apparently there was a tunica, which is a native tribe, a burial ground on the property. And he oh. dug up the remains and set them on fire. That's, again, just part of the lore, um, a very dramatic scene I could easily see in a movie. Yeah. Um, but that supposedly might have cursed the property. Interesting. That's uh, also how you get rid of ghosts on Supernatural is you burn the bones. Ooh. Salt and burn the bones and then the ghosts yeah. go away, apparently. So maybe he was trying to do that? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. He later died in 1808 and the plantation was left to Bradford's wife. But around 1817, reports actually vary on this, but it, it's around 1817. Some say like 1820, And so it's whatever. a working plantation. It is a working that. plantation, yeah. Okay. Uh, around 1817, it was purchased by Bradford's daughter, Sarah Matilda, and her husband, Clark Woodruff. There you go, the Woodruff name you were okay. looking for. 
he was a so they didn't even gift it to him didn't will it to him i think he willed it to the to his wife and then sarah purchased it from her mom but it may not have been for any amount of money Mm. she just legally took over ownership of the property gotcha and and people there are a lot of people that know the history of this place better than me even though i've been reading a lot so let me know if i'm wrong a study of strange at gmail.com i will correct it um some reports say that Sarah Matilda was 19 when she got married. Some say she was 14, but it looks like she actually was 19. And it, I do think she was an adult. They had three kids, Cornelia, James, and Mary. Some accounts only claim two kids, Cornelia and James, mm. but they had three. Now, here's where we get into one of the most important tales of the Myrtles Plantation, a situation that gave rise to one of the most renowned ghosts on the property, Chloe, the slave Chloe. Mm-hmm. Now, legend says that Clark had an affair, and it was with Chloe. And, oh, I didn't hear this. Oh, yeah. That's that's part of some of what you read is that an affair happened. The usual story, oops, I just banged my microphone. The usual story is that she was eavesdropping over yeah. like business or something, had her ear up to the door. And, and as a punishment, they cut it off. They or, cut off her ear. It was a yeah. left ear, and she had to wear like a green turban or scarf around her head yeah. to kind of hide the scarring. But yeah, there are some accounts that say they were having an affair. But again, all of that's just kind of like lore. Yeah. And people have varying stories on these things. Uh, and I can, So are people saying that that's why he cut her ear off? No, I think it's like still they the, were still having an affair. And I think she was either caught or... And so th- like, I can't remember exactly what it was about the affair. But like the eavesdropping came later. Okay. But like the affair was part of all the shenanigans going on in the home. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, but most most stories claim the ear cut off because she was eavesdropping. Yeah, because he was a man about town, like you know, kind of high in society. So yeah. you have people over in like the lounge area. Yep. They'd be doing their typical gossip, and yeah. she'd be listening. In. And then you were telling me because I I did read about this, but I didn't go too much into it in my notes. But you were telling me that she was a, a house slave, right? Yeah, the way that they told us the story when I was there um, was that she worked in the house, mostly tending to the family and the children. Um, and yeah, after she got caught eavesdropping, you know, she was worried about getting. I think it was after she got caught eavesdropping, she was worried about being sent back to like the work area. Yeah, you 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 want to be in the house, right? Because that's yeah, the much that's the better job. You're not as grueling. I mean, I guess you say it's a better job. Yeah, it's, yeah exactly. comparatively, comparatively, comparatively. So after this. Chloe came up with a plan to get back in the good graces of the family. Now, again, this is told kind of two ways. Mm. She either plans to bake the cake to get back into good graces. Like she she bakes she bakes a cake for one of the children's birthdays. Yeah. And she uses the the essence or the, basically oleander. Yeah, plant. which grows in the area, which yeah. is poisonous. Poisonous. It's and kind she, of a Munchausen by proxy situation where she her the thought process, or at least what we were told, was yeah. that she'd bake this poisonous cake. And then the kids would get sick and they would be, you know, they would want to keep her in the house to tend to the kids and like kind mm-hmm. of nurse them back to health. So that's that was sort of the plan that um, that we were told by that. Yeah, no, that's what I read, too. Okay. A lot, I think some accounts just leave that out. They were just oh, like, okay. oh, she just wanted to get back at them. So she poisoned the cake. So oh, I, yeah. I think some people skip over skip the step of like the thinking that she wanted to take care of the kids to get back into like good yeah, standing. To stay where she was and not right. get sent, sent uh, out. However, it was too much poison, and she yeah. ended up killing Sarah, Matilda, and two of their kids, uh, I think Cornelia and, and James. It's important to um, mm-hmm. know that I think this was when Woodruff was out of town, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was, I think he was so. not in town yeah. when this happened. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, she was held responsible, Chloe again, held responsible 
for this. And the slaves kind of turned against her because they didn't want to be probably punished by proxy. Yeah, anything. when he got back in town. Yeah. That's what the big worry so was. So they hung her, hung Chloe, and then dumped her body into the swampland. Some some accounts say that they like weighted her body down. But I'm like, I'm from Florida. You can just use the swamp. There's gators. You don't need to weight it down. <laughs> um, but yeah, they they killed her. And the story is that now Chloe still is on the property today, sometimes yeah. seen with the scarf or turban on her head very vividly. Some accounts only see her from like the waist up, apparently. Mm. Uh, some don't. Frances Kermine, who lived and owned the property in the 80s, I read her book. She has a very vivid uh, scene with Chloe on like one of her first nights in the house. Oh, wow. And I'll, I'll get to that a little bit later because yeah. I'll review her book a little bit. And the bit. famous photo of her is mm-hmm. like what they sell in the gift shop as yep. like, you know, a postcard. And stuff. Yeah, yeah. So the famous picture is from 1992, apparently. And I, I think it was for like insurance purposes. They oh, needed okay. pictures of the property. And in between, I the pictures up on my computer. In between sort of two parts of the property, you can see this womanly kind of shadow figure um yeah the house is sort of shaped like an l so Mm. there's like the main front row of all the houses and then there's this little space in between the you know the foot of the l and then like the little nub is uh at least at that point it was where you check in for reception so in that little outdoor sort of breezeway is where she's standing you can find the photo and yeah if you just i mean it's it's like the most famous photo from the plantation in terms of the haunts of the plantation so it's easy to find and people can give their own opinion about it i i don't take a lot of uh i I don't give a lot of weight to this picture personally but again that's just me what was interesting so in the lobby of the area where i was staying they have a display case and it's filled with single earrings. Oh, so she, she takes them or something Supposedly like that? Yeah. she would take people who stayed there's earrings, but since she only had one ear, she would only take one of them. So people would uh. leave, they wouldn't find their earring. And then like, you know, weeks later it would turn up and the maids would find it. So they just kind of have this collection of single earrings. Oh, that's, that's kind of creepy. Yeah. The story of Chloe, though, is pure legend because there are no records of a Mm. slave named Chloe. I think Frances, who owned the property again, and I read her book, I think she ended up, I read in an interview that she found some potential records of a slave named Chloe, but who was 14. But there's no, again, it's kind of hard to like confirm, is this the Chloe everybody talks about? Or is it just legend? Is it just legend and lore that kind of grew? Or is it just something where there was no record of it at the time too exactly but here's the thing the reality is that on july 21st 1823 sarah matilda died because of yellow fever which was like a huge issue in the area at the time interesting then on july 15th a year later 1824 her son james died from yellow fever and then two months later in september cornelia the other daughter died from yellow fever so they did not die together they were not poisoned they died from yellow fever years apart. Gotcha. And also, again, they had three children, not just two, which is sometimes yeah. kind of ignored or overlooked or forgotten about in this story. Mary, the other daughter, survived, and she kept living throughout life. So, yes, records are bad, which aids in creating mysteries because it's hard to prove and people yeah. fill in the gaps with their Now, what are thing. the symptoms of oleander poisoning versus yellow fever? Oh, is they're not. They're, they're, yeah, no, 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 no. It's, it's completely different because yellow fever is even a disease... Yeah, it's just, it's very different. I, yeah. I'm not one to comment specifically on, okay. on how it's different, but they are, yes, they're they're very different. And yellow fever was a huge, I, I don't know if it was technically a pandemic at the time, but it was yeah. spreading rampant. and running rampant. Okay. So the signs of that are, are very well known to the, to the doctors at the time. Yeah. 
What I don't know, and I would love if anybody out there knows, please contact me about this. I don't know if when Sarah Matilda and her two of her kids died, if they died on the property or not. Oh. Because that would that would be part of this story, yeah, too. Yeah, that's true. Um, whether Chloe's real or not, if they died on the property, I think that's yeah, that's really interesting. But well, I'm I, sure I just you're going to talk about. Out. I think it was Woodruff, right? He died on the property. Are you? I'm sure you're getting there. Next. Are you talking about the shot? The, yeah. The, oh no, that's uh, yeah. I'm going to get there soon, the but that's owner? someone else. But okay. yeah, he died there as well. Okay. So we'll get to that. So I, I don't mean to say any of this to like debunk the story, but I I do think one of my personal issues with ghost stories is not taking into account what you can prove or disprove. It's mm. like, if it's haunted, let it be haunted. Let's find out why it's haunted. Don't, yeah. don't lie don't about the Don't stick to stories. your story. Yeah. yeah to like, be open to the changes and things. Um, so anyway, the, the next official owner of the, the property was Rufin Grace Sterling. And he's the one that actually renamed it to the Myrtle's Plantation. And he oh, named okay. it that based on the crepe myrtle trees that were on the property. He restored the house, kind of grew the house, made it big and elegant and... Uh, kind of what it is today. I think he's the one that also added the the 125 foot long veranda, the like long porch, as oh, I would call it. Yeah. Legend says that Sterling's son was shot in the game room over a gambling debt and died on the floor, and people trip over his body or see blood spots. That is a story I can not confirm. Um, Sterling died on the 17th of July in 1854 of consumption. I just always love oh. talking about consumption because it's tuberculosis. For the I longest time, it. I thought it was drinking yourself to yeah, death. Yeah, and me then, too. Until me too. recently, I found yeah. out that it was tuberculosis. Yeah, tuberculosis. Yeah. yeah. So when, when Sterling died, his daughter took over the property. She married in 1852 a guy named William Drew Winter, and they ended up eventually taking over the Myrtles Plantation. They had a daughter named Kate. Now, I, did you hear anything about a Kate? Does that mm. ring a bell? I'm, I mean, I probably wouldn't remember the name. I might remember okay. the story associated with So the with story it. is that, is that uh, Kate was two, I think two years old, yes. And she had yellow fever and she okay. was confined, confined to her bedroom. And a voodoo priestess was brought in to try to save her. And okay. when she couldn't save her, the family got upset with her, kind of kicked her out. And she supposedly like cursed the property or something. And the story is, is that her name was... Cleo or Chloe, which is obviously similar or the same as Chloe, yeah. the other story. And some people say that she had a green turban uh, as well. So there are oh, like conflicting, competing stories. I think Myrtle's Plantation sticks to the story we already shared earlier. But there are other people that are like, no, man, that's not the right Chloe, man. They have the wrong Chloe. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to remember what the voodoo priestess story was because I remember the ghost instances of it but i couldn't mm. remember the original yeah so it has something story. to do with trying to save kate uh yeah. kate winter do you want me to go into the ghost story now or we'll do it, cover that stuff well is it about the the voodoo prince priestess yeah i think so there's like the there's the room where they see her face like in oh the window. you can tell that now okay that seems tied in yeah go yeah, for yeah. It. so uh one of the stories that they told us um and i don't know if it's important to lay this out now or later but like the way that the the bed and breakfast portion of it is is um, there's like the the master suite, which is a whole section of the house, um, which is what I stayed in. I mm -hmm. rented that. They give you like an old skeleton key, which is like the only key to get into oh, the, that's awesome. that sort of, I don't want to say wing because it's just yeah. like the end cap of the house. Um, and you have the entire section. So there was like a room on the first floor, which I think was called either like the yellow or the gold room, which they don't rent anymore. And that was even locked to me. They take you on it during the oh, tour, um, but it's too haunted to rent out is like what they say, because 
that's where in the window on the outside, sometimes people would see the face of the voodoo priestess. Mm -hmm. Um, There was some time, I think it was in the 90s, um, the Oprah Winfrey show was going to do a story on the place. Yeah, I read about this. this? And one of the producers stayed there. She stayed in that room and woke up in the middle of the night and saw like the like a body hanging from the ceiling and ran out of the room and like never came back and they never filmed an episode there. And since then, they've they don't rent that out anymore like so it remains locked so i was staying in the room right above that and i had so every time i had to go up the stairs i'd walk yeah, past that yeah. door and so again just more creepy stuff uh where you're standing plus you're not near the other guests like the other guests which are on the other side of the house have a separate entrance there is a connecting door but now that's locked because okay. they realized people were renting both and having parties and it was just oh, become yeah, a little yeah, too yeah. destructive yeah so everyone else has a shared hallway and then they just have their individual rooms whereas i'm just sequestered in this totally wow. separate part of the house which made it extra scary but uh, yeah, so that was the the story with that room and the voodoo priestess. But okay, I was trying so, to remember what the origin. Of no, that I was. wonder if if the Kate story is the origin of that. I'm sure, like other more kind of legend stories, I'm sure there's probably some variations to yeah. it. But yeah, that's when I first came across. Because I was trying princess. to remember if it was a turban. Priestess. I remember hearing something with a snake around her neck or something along. Those oh, lines I never came like, across yeah, any of that. That's maybe that was just. Yeah. I don't know if I'm remembering that, but that's what, when they <clears> saw her in the wind, like looking outside yeah. in the window. Um, now, during the Civil War, the house was allegedly ransacked by Union soldiers. The family was going through difficult financial times, and by 1867, they were bankrupt, and the Myrtles was sold by the U.S. Marshal to the New York Warehouse and Security Company. And two years later, however, somehow the family was able to get back on their feet again after the oh, war. Because okay. you can imagine South money, the, the Confederate money was worth like nothing Nothing, yeah so a lot of people were obviously going through financial hardships after the war um but two years later they were able to to get it things back together again and they were able to buy the property back so mrs sarah winter was able to get the myrtles plantation back and now here's where we have a true story and one that's actually like validated by old documents newspapers all sorts of things and that is the only real murder to actually have taken place on the plantation that again that we that we know about did you hear about the 17th step yes that's the one i was waiting for you to get okay to. nice okay. nice now do you have your own personal story for that because we may wait on that or do you we just, can wait on that it's not my yeah. personal story it's okay. rich's story and then okay. i'll go into my story okay we're gonna wait on that because yeah. right now we're gonna do a reenactment oh, okay. of of the story of why there is something to do with the 17th step Uh, And I'll give a little background here. It's 1871. William Winter, who owned the property, was teaching a Sunday school class in one of the rooms on the property. And he heard a horse ride up and someone called for him. So let me make sure. I heard for some reason, I feel like this was in the middle of the night. I didn't know that he was teaching a school. Well, again, variations of stories. Like even if the the murder is real, like I'm sure there's probably different 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 legends that are told. Let me just make sure this is the right scene. Yes. Sure. Okay. So you're going to read, I guess, read William. Okay. So you're William Winter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> William Billy Winter. and William Winter. Billy Winter. As I mentioned earlier, I went to school with a Bill Winter. He was a couple years older than me. Couple? Hundreds yeah. of years older. <laughs> couple this, hundred, yeah. this was William the Winter's ghost. ghost. So it's 1871 on the Myrtles Plantation. It's a lovely day. And inside the home, a group of children sit on the floor looking up at William Winter, who is teaching a Sunday school class. Very good, James. And Mary, if you'd like to say something, remember to raise your hand. From outside, there's the sound of a horse approaching quickly. William looks out the window. From outside, 
Mr. Winter, come outside. I know you're in there. William turns to the kids. Pardon me, children. Nothing to worry yourselves about. William Winter, come out now. Wait here. I'll, I'll be right back. William leaves the room and the children listen to him opening the front door and walking onto the veranda. He then speaks to the man. There are children inside. Gunshots. The children scream. The man on the horse is heard galloping away. Some of the children are courageous enough to look out the window. The horse is too far away to make out who the mysterious shooter was. Moments later, the door burst open and William falls onto the foyer floor, hard to say, covered in blood. He then begins pulling himself up the stairs. Sarah! Sarah! Sarah. Sarah appears at the top of the stairs and runs to William. She holds him and cries as William dies in her arms. The Sunday school children watch from the ground floor, horrified. Dun, 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 dun. Yes, yes, so that is... Yeah, the version I heard was that this rider came in the middle of the night, awoke him from bed. He told his wife to stay inside. He went outside, confronted the man, was shot, and then climbed up the stairs where he died on the 17th step. On the 17th step. So yes, whatever version of that story is correct. Yeah. Um, And now these are the interior staircase. So this was, uh, there's the porch stairs, the front doors, and you go up the other stairs. So now that is again in the section of the house where I was staying by myself. Mm -hmm. So like... The front door's locked. That's the one that I had the key to. And then there was the staircase that went up to my yeah. room. So that's where he died. So well, I'll, I'll mention this one thing before I, I tell you some of the stuff that I learned. And th- this is actually in most of the information I read okay. historically gets this yeah. quote unquote correct. Um, so before I share that, though, the Francis Kermine book, uh, who, again, she owned the property in the 80s. She shares her story of when she first learned about the 17th step and that was Mm -hmm. through like friends of a friend okay so she didn't even know about it because all these other haunting stuff was apparently happening to her but she didn't know about that and some women were there and i'm probably butchering her story so i I apologize but they they were like oh and the 17th step and just sort of like offhandedly comment and she was like wait what 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 is that (laughs) and then that's kind of how she started to learn that story but in fact historically william winter died outside on the porch so he was shot and died right out there outside yeah it's it's interesting how you know it's a game of telephone stories like ghost stories are games of telephone they change over time the seventh step on the porch could have been the seventh step could have could have just been someone misheard the story or you know you you don't know how they start but it definitely becomes this game of telephone And I'm, again, I'm not saying this to like debunk anything because if weird stuff happens in the 17th step, maybe it's just not William Winter. Yeah, maybe it's something else. else. Yeah. So anyway, he did die outside. A, a gentleman named, oh, did I write his name down? Yes, I did. A, a gentleman named E.S. Weber apparently went to trial as the murderer. Oh. But the records kind of disappear after that. So I think he was probably not charged. I okay. think he probably got off because apparently the story is that the kids, if there were kids... Um, whatever witnesses did exist never saw who it was apparently. Yeah. So if it was someone named E.S. Winter, there weren't, you know, there wasn't reliable enough... witnesses. Yeah, yeah exactly. Saw him close enough. Um, but yeah, very, very interesting story. Yeah. So I'm going to really quickly tell yeah. Rich's story. Yeah. Um, so my friend Rich, who he was down there filming a movie. I forget if this was before or after it was around Katrina cause they did have to evacuate eventually. Oh, wow. Um, wow. yeah. And, uh, so he was he was staying there. He knew about the ghost stories and he stayed in the same room. Um, and he told me that this is why, again, the story was at night that they told him, you know, at a certain hour, you often hear his body collapsing on the stairs. Oh, wow. wow. So he set an alarm to wake up, you know, like 
a few minutes before allegedly you hear the yeah. sounds so yeah. you could actually be awake and hear it um and a few minutes before his alarm went off he woke up to the sound of what he described as it sounded like somebody dropping like an armful of books down the stairs wow so he just like bolted up in bed before his alarm went off a few minutes before like supposedly when this happened um and yeah that's like that was his sort of and he went out there and there was nothing there obviously um so that's the story that I heard. That was his experience with it. Again, who knows if it was directly outside the room. Maybe it could have been on the front porch yeah, steps. Yeah. Someone carries. It's very quiet out yeah. there in the middle of nowhere. Um, so that was his story. That's so why I was. I went there, staying there to hopefully get that same experience. And I don't, I'll tell my whole story yeah, after yeah, everything, well, but yeah. I'll explain why that didn't get to happen. That's, a, that's amazing. I and wish I'm I could remember so, the time, too. We could yeah, I know. That's what I was going to ask yeah. because a, a time comes up in Frances's uh, book. She talks about 3 a.m. a lot. Yeah. And so I'm curious to hear some other I'm stories. I'm trying to remember if it time. was that late. We'll have to, maybe we can yeah. text Rich and yeah. ask him. Yeah. Um, so in 1878, to continue on, Sarah Winter dies, allegedly. I think this is in like most articles. I think even Wikipedia, it says that she died of a broken heart. Mary Cobb Sterling, Sarah's mother, was in charge of the plantation. She had it till about 1880, and then it was divided up amongst her children. And one of them, sold it to a gentleman named Oren Brooks. And Brooks kept it until 1889. Now, there may have been a few other brief owners, but it was then purchased by Harris Harrison Milton Williams, a Mississippi widower who brought his son and second wife with him. And his family eventually kind of broke up the property into even like smaller pieces. So I don't okay. know if the plantation today is back as being like the original, all the original land or if it's smaller. Okay. I actually could not figure that out, but I do think it's smaller than it originally yeah, was. Yeah, at the time it was just, you could rent in the main house. Looking at their mm. website, there is a map that shows like the cottages and stuff. So I don't know if they rent all those other things I out. I think they now. do. I think okay, they so do, they must yeah. Have expanded that out then. Yeah. So in 1942, there's kind of a break in stories, like dramatic stories for a while. In 1942, a caretaker, this is all alleged, I cannot find any confirmation of this, was apparently murdered by a robber. Uh, I do mention this because there are a lot of other unconfirmed stories. We'd literally have to do like 12 episodes to cover (laughs) them all. Um, But I mention this one because there are some ghost claims of like a grumpy caretaker. Okay. I just love the idea of a grumpy ghost. Like not a scary ghost, but like a grumpy ghost. Just ornery. Yep, exactly. Um, In 1950, it was purchased by Marjorie Munson. And this is about the time that kind of ghost stories start getting passed around, but like locally, not nationally or internationally, like the Myrtle's Plantation today, just kind of like local stories. It went through a few other owners into the 1970s, including a gentleman named John L. Pierce, who by this time there were tours of the property. So it was like a, a tourist destination kind of thing, but it was more about the history of plantations in the South. They were not marketing it as ghost haunted or... ghost stories, any of that. It was just old-fashioned plantation. Um, and then yeah. in 1980, Frances Kermine purchased the property with her then-husband, uh, James Myers, who she sometimes refers to as Jim in her book. Now, it's under their ownership that the legend actually begins to grow. And it appeared in the New York Times. It started appearing in other things. And the Myrtles starts to become the quote-unquote most haunted home in the nation is when Francis takes over. And are they renting at this point? Like, is there a marketing ploy maybe behind that? I don't think there's... she. So her story, I'm actually going to get into her story because I find it really interesting. And, okay. and it was the sort of the most in-depth book I read on the subject. I don't want to like just sy- synopsize 
that's not the appropriate language yeah the entire book because go buy it if you're interested yeah. like she actually does a very good job with the book i think she published it in the early 2000s so it was after she owned it because she owned it from 1980 to 1990 because okay. it seems like a weird thing to promote unless you're trying to sell a book or mm -hmm. get people to stay there for like haunted evenings because yeah. selling a stigmatized property becomes yeah. an additional like hurdle i would imagine unless and there's especially back then i think today calling a place haunted probably there's a there's a business to that yeah but it's a very small but, subset I'm yeah sure, it's a small subset at the time to. i probably would not have been but her dream and again i'll kind of get into this a little more in depth in a second but her dream was to open up an inn oh okay so uh I, she always wanted to kind of open it to the public and i i don't know if she's the first to open it up to like people can stay there but okay. she's definitely when when it started in terms of like modern times because i don't gotcha. think uh I don't think John L. Pearson was renting it out for rooms. I know he was just giving tours. So, okay, Myers, I'm going to, or excuse me, Kermine. She was Myers at the time. And, and at this point, really quick, it's yeah. no longer, like, when did it stop being a working plantation? Do you know? Oh, it, it would have had to be at the end of the Civil War. I mean, it, I don't know when they stopped growing things. Well, that's what I mean, yeah, because yeah. it could still be, like, a farm. Yeah, yeah. Is it, it still, still called a plantation if it's in the South? That's what I don't know. People are paid and working No, I don't, I honestly don't know if you stop calling it that. But it, it had to be a working property, I would imagine, up until probably the middle of the 20th century, I would have, I would imagine. But I cannot yeah. say because I didn't even think to look that up, to be okay. honest. That is a good question. And please write in a study of strange at gmail.com. Yeah. Let me know and I will I will tell everyone. Well, it's a good point that if they're not working it as a farm, mm -hmm. um, that they would have to open it as like an inn yeah. To, yeah. to pay the bills. Well, especially if the, the property was broken up in the sort of late 1800s, oh, early yeah, 1900s, the maybe the far, farm portion was off. But again, I'm just I'm just assuming at this point, I really don't know. Now, Francis Kermine, in my own personal theory, I actually think it's under her leadership that the haunted stories, and I already kind of said this, but I think the haunted stories grow because of her, not because okay. of her book, because that came later. But I think she might have seen, again, my own personal theory, she does not say this in the book, but I think she might have seen some opportunity okay. with the haunted side of things. Frances did want to turn it into an inn. That was always her dream. She grew up in California. And, you know, let me also, I'm going to take a step back here for a second. I, I, I'm not saying the place is not haunted when I'm like, I think she's the reason it kind of became a thing. Because that's up to each and every one of us and all the listeners out there. I am a bit of a skeptic. So that's definitely my bias going into this. But I think it's important just to think of those things, to think of the motivations and to think of the, the real history behind it. And some of the tales that Francis talks about in her book, I think, are easily debunked. However, when you go into the book to give her some, some credit here, a lot of her tales, like the Chloe tale, mm -hmm. like Chloe, I was able to be like, no one knows if Chloe existed. The children died because of yellow fever later on at different times. So you can kind of easily debunk that. She tells the story as if it's fact of the being poisoned. But then later chapters, she actually does debunk it. So oh, she okay. is very good about being like, oh, here's the thing I heard. Here's what likely happened. Gosh. So I do want to give her credit. I don't want to make it sound like she's just pulling all this out and to try to make it yeah. sound haunted. No, she she actually does a very good job. And it's a very good book. So I think everybody out there should go read it. And I'll have links to it in the show notes. So her story starts on a cruise to Haiti. Now, she was with her soon-to-be husband, Jim. And I think she was Jamaica and Haiti, but in Haiti, she had met friends on the cruise. They had gone out to explore one day when you stop, you know, at the islands as you do on a cruise and they came across a voodoo ceremony. And this is where, how the book kind of starts. 
And she pulled out her camera and took a picture and the people doing the ceremony noticed it and basically like aggressively came at her and wanted the camera and wanted her to stop. And they thought she's stealing their souls. So she gets the hell out of there. And someone said that they cursed her. Okay. So that kind of starts the story. She She's very good at a narrative, which yeah. is kind of my critique on her book. It's like, it sounds like you're writing a movie and not just like sharing your experience. Um, but she gets out of there. She's apparently been cursed. And the friends she meets on the ship try to convince her to come to Louisiana with them on her way back to like California when the cru- cruise is done. And she and her husband agree. Now, she had always wanted to own an inn, as I've said. She had always been attracted to Louisiana because I think her father was from there. And she had been to St. Francisville before on another kind of river cruise in the area. So she knew the area. So, yeah, she she first goes to the Myrtles on this kind of stopover in Louisiana. And she starts looking at property with her soon-to-be husband. And the Myrtles is for sale. So she tours it. She falls in love with it. But during a tour of the property, she heard a female voice call her name, and it made her feel uneasy. So she asked John L. Pearson, the owner who was giving her the tour, if there was anything unusual about the property, which I, I do hope she actually asked in that exact way, anything unusual about the property. And he replied, don't be silly, but he wouldn't look at her in the eye when he told her the story. So Reassuring. Yeah. So John L. kept saying that the place uh, was for families and Francis actually used this as like motivation to get married because he was when she's looking at the property over and over again, he's like, this place for families, place for families. And she wasn't married yet. So she and Jim eventually got married. And uh, I, I can't remember if they they probably didn't get married right away, but I think they told John L. they were getting married when they were buying the property. Um, her first night there. So there's this weird thing in the book where I couldn't quite deduce. And I don't know if that's just me not being a good reader, Okay, <laughs> but she started staying at the house when the previous owner was still there. And I think it was during closing, but he was like letting her stay at the house. Kind of like a rent to own situation. I guess so. It was, it's a little strange on her first night there. John L was there as well. Still, still living there. And Frances had a dream that she was wearing a dress that would have been like the one Sarah Matilda, who was the the mother that died from poisoning, quote unquote, died from poisoning, uh, would have worn. And this is like the first time in the book that that Frances starts connecting certain things she's going through with like previous owners, previous people that used to be on the property, because there's more than just that. On her third night, while she was trying to sleep, the lights in her room kept turning on. So it would just be like she would turn off the lights, go to sleep, then she'd wake up and they'd be on. And she would, of course, question herself of like, wait, did I turn them off? I thought I turned them off. She'd turn them off. And this happens a number of times before she gets scared. And she goes and she sleeps on the couch outside of wherever John L's room was. And while she's trying to sleep, she was woken up feeling like someone was watching her. And then she noticed a figure was standing there, candle in hand, which illuminated the room. And it was a a woman, a, a a black woman in a green dress and a green turban. And she wouldn't go away. And Francis got up the courage to kind of touch the woman. And then she disappeared. Ooh. And so that's her first experience with Chloe. Obviously. Okay. And she apparently she she screamed for help when she first saw Chloe standing above her. And okay. John's room is right there. And John never came to get her. And this is something that kind of happens throughout the book. Like yeah. someone will try to be getting help from somebody and no one will show up, even though they're like right there. So that's a really interesting thing. 
Now, she connects herself again to the Hans by telling a story about a previous owner that she met with. Uh, I don't know how to say their name. It's like the Michels. Michels. Um, they were very old when she met them, and they lived in California at the time. And the old woman, who was the the wife in that that family that had previously owned the Myrtles, she was still alive, but like really elderly, like like hanging on for dear life. Yeah. When Francis met her, and Francis recognized her from like spirits she had seen in the house and so some say that like people near death you can kind of like astral like, project yeah kind of, kind of, like, kind of like, like that so she was time. she was kind of terrified and then she later found a receipt in the myrtles she found a receipt for a cruise to haiti from the that same family that she had met and it was they went on the cruise right before allegedly they bought the myrtles just like oh. her so it's this interesting connection something i I do want to read because i think it's interesting uh francis has a friend i think his name was jimmy and he told her something about the myrtles and i just want to read the quote from the book he says something profound happens to people at the myrtles whatever your issues are whatever your addictions the myrtle seems to take over and bring them out and make them worse if you like your liquor at the myrtles you'll probably become a drunk if you're depressed your depression will overcome you whatever your problems they will be intensified the longer you stay there the worse it gets so don't be surprised if the people around you begin to act crazy they won't be able to help themselves sounds so, more like the overlook right <laughs> right there's a lot of yeah there's a lot of connections to like other haunted places in terms of experiences all right so the next thing i'll bring up about francis and her book uh i haven't our next dramatized scene Ooh. bill get excited uh so this happened between francis and midge soderberg from steven soderberg's family i think it's his mom oh really yeah so francis met midge at a a party in louisiana and it was a party of people that would get together and actually like discuss mis mystical things okay. and they would have seances and talk about ghosts Ooh. and so she was invited because she's the owner of the myrtles to go to this party and she got to meet uh steve soderbergh's mom midge so you're Ooh. going to read let's just i guess have you read francis an old louisiana home at night Frances and her friend Hampton are speaking with a few people in the foyer of this nice old-fashioned southern home. People are saying their goodbyes and leaving the event. It's the end of the night. A woman named Midge Soderberg is standing in the doorway waving goodbye to some other guest. Frances and Hampton are about to leave when Midge grabs Frances's arm. Uh, excuse me, Frances? Yes? Do you mind if we speak in private a moment? Frances nods to Hampton, signaling him to wait for her. Sure. So Midge leads Frances into an adjoining living room which is now empty. I've been debating talking about you, uh, to you all night about this. Afraid you would think I'm crazy. Talk to me about what? Uh, Francis, something evil is at the Myrtles. You are not safe there. Get out. Midge is staring directly into Francis's eyes. I, I, I can't. I love that place and I've spent everything I have on it. If you won't leave, then for God's sake, be safe. Don't mess with the place. Don't have seances. Don't try to conjure spirits. Are the spirits evil? Most of them are fine, but there's one that's evil. I felt it there myself. Are we really in that much danger? I'm afraid you are. Just don't focus on them. Don't give them any energy, and perhaps they'll leave you alone. Bum, bam, bum, bam. Bam. I always want to do that after every scene. <laughs> bum, bam, bam. Always what you want to hear about your house. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's an evil entity in it. <laughs> 
So uh, Frances didn't listen that well because at a later date, she actually had a seance and her husband at the time, Jim, apparently like turned into an old woman, like he Ooh. looked like an old woman uh, during the seance. And there's a, pa- uh, a portrait. Oh, I wanted to ask you about that. Was there a portrait, like a famous portrait they talked about at all? There was a mirror. I know the mirror. So okay. apparently there's a portrait. Maybe it's not in the house anymore. There's a it might portrait. Be in, like, the, the more um, like not the non-living portions of the yeah, house yeah. that are just part of the tour. So I'm sure that they went through it. and Maybe. So apparently there's a portrait that Francis would talk about in her book a lot that like looks like it's, its eyes are following you. Oh. One of those kind of paintings. And apparently at the end of the seance, that portrait was, it looked like the person in it was crying. Oh, do you know what? Well, that, I don't know. That it I probably don't... was in like the dining room because I'd imagine that's where they would have the oh, seance. Because yeah. I'm thinking yeah. there's a portrait that goes up the stairs of Judge Woodruff. Uh, I'm just scrolling through my photos here. There's trying to remember a specific i don't remember recall yeah no that's all right uh so there's an i I won't go into all the rest of francis's experience those are just some of the highlights i will mention that there's also like confederate soldier stories of like seeing confederate soldiers francis has one in the book that i really love where she can see i can't remember it's her or a friend of hers can see through the window outside a confederate soldier but if they go outside and look he's not there but if you look through the window, they could see them, which I just mm. thought was a really, I don't know, I just visually, I think that's really interesting and cool. Yeah. And uh, she she also had like friends and employees that experienced a number of things. One of her employees, this young woman, told her a story about the, the I think it was the judge who had lived there. She had seen like a spirit of him and he would come into her room and they would have sex every Ooh. night. And she was like, well, I kind of would like it. <laughs> uh, so it was, it's an interesting, it's an interesting story. Um she Francis went through some things that are unghost related that are actually also very dramatic, but the Myrtles is a big influence in it. One of them, which is she was going to host a prom for a, a prominently black high school. Okay. And people in the area, she started getting like threatened and life threats and people would call and threaten her and hang up and members of the KKK threatened her with stuff. And she kind of hung to her guns and had to like trick them to be able to pull off doing the doing the prom. Um, another thing that happened is her her marriage fell apart while she was there for oh. over 10 years. And the book, and, you know, I don't know how much the book, I'm sure she will say it's true, but it seemed like the the hauntings and the experiences she was having with the paranormal at the house is what led to the downfall of her, her marriage. And she really ends it in a way of like her escaping, even though she lived there for 10 years, she kind of ends it on this dramatic kind of like escape from yeah. the property to get out of there because it was such a, a terrible thing for her life. And now are she and her husband both still alive? I, I don't know about her husband. She is. Okay. Um, so I've read some interviews with her. I think she's even been on some podcasts uh, as well. But yeah, I encourage you as much as I'm like, I don't Just know. do a follow-up episode. Right? Yeah, I would, it would actually be really nice to talk to her because it is a good book. As much as I'm like, I don't know if I believe everything in it. Yeah. It is, it is a good book and there are, she even mentions like the Amityville horror, but there are some connections, which is partly why I'm like some of the things I'm skeptical of, because it's like, oh, this is a very well narratively sort of told yeah, haunted house like, movie. Did you copy paste? Yeah. Like this and or not that. even not not necessarily like copy, but just understanding sort of the narrative beats of oh, what you would I want see. if like if this was to become a movie, you would yeah. want this kind of arc of a story. Um, so so it's interesting, but it is very good. So I, I do recommend people get in again. I'll have it uh, a link to it in the show notes now. 
now that I've covered some history and I definitely went on a tangent of her experiences, but I think they're all interesting and they all, you know, they all color the story of the Myrtles Plantation. But walk me through your experience there, I guess. Like, do yeah. you, or how have you put thought into how you want to share it? Uh, no, not really. I thought yeah. I'd just go kind of tell in order. I wish there was yeah. something more kind of spooky that happened, yeah, like yeah. Rich's thing, where, I mean, he was setting out to try to record the sound of the guy falling down the stairs, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and mine was sort of thwarted, but I mean, I'll, well, I'll get to it. Um, so yeah, so obviously I went there and checked in. Uh, this was kind of like on a whim when the movie was ending. I was like, well, I have some extra time. Go down to New Orleans. This is on the way. Um, so I wasn't really like prepped with anything to do any sort of yeah, kind of yeah. ghost investigating. Um, so yeah, checked in, got that sort of side of the house. Um, I was really bummed to find out when I got there because I got there on a Thursday um, that they only do the ghost tours on Friday nights and I had to be in New Orleans Friday. Oh, they so they only do it on Friday night? Or this was 10 years ago. Yeah. This was 10 yeah. years ago, yeah. So they still had the regular house tour. So, oh, good, good. Um, so they give you like a regular tour of the house. So I was able to do that. So we got to see the property. It was really cool. Uh, I think that the prom story sounds familiar because what I thought was really cool about like these style of homes is that like you were talking about that veranda. Yeah. Um, well, like all along that like you know from the outside you know you see all these like windows but they're actually like doors and they open it all up and that's when they have like they have, almost have like like a, a full-on ball because like it makes the living oh, room yeah, spread yeah. out on the porch so yeah. people want to dance and like i can just imagine like oh it's would be a great place to host a party and so yeah so we did the normal tour they kind of touched upon a couple ghost things but not much yeah um so it was a little disappointing yeah and yeah so then i was just kind of in this other part of the house and i actually happened to meet you know i was staying up late to kind of feel it out, see anything spooky, but I was there alone. And I actually met this other couple who was, I believe, visiting from Texas. Um, So they're on a little vacation there. And then they brought some beers. We just kind of were hanging out on the porch and stuff. And um, they were really interested in all the ghost stuff too. So we kind of got, you know, into some of that. And there's the night sort of desk clerk um, who is actually the guy that gives the ghost tours. Oh, yeah. So we were kind of talking him up and asking him for stories and... He basically gave us an impromptu ghost tour. Oh, so he nice. went and got the keys. He's, you know, like, uh, I think we offered him some beers or something. Yeah, but he, yeah. was, he was working, so he declined. Um, can I can I pause you just for a second? Because yeah. I want to I understand this because I'm so... I've been thinking about this every time I'm reading about it. I yeah. just imagine myself staying there because I would love to do that too. Mm-hmm. I think it sounds amazing. But like, how when you do stay there, because there are tours throughout the day, how do you sort of navigate that? How do you... Do you have to only show up at a certain time when you're staying the night? I think it was a normal just... check-in, like 11 okay. to 3, because the tour was basically all of the kind of public areas of the okay. house. Um, so the way that it's like a two-level home, so like my half, the or the section that I was in on the first floor, you know, has this grand foyer. There's like mm-hmm. a... Uh, like baby grand piano under the staircase mm-hmm. the famous 17th step staircase yep, yep, yep. uh there's that silvered mirror which we'll talk about mm-hmm. and then there's the gold room uh that they no longer rent and then you upstairs and it's the, the kind of uh, master bedroom and then the other portion of the house is like the lower level is like the dining room ballroom area like that sort of i think there was like a kitchen and stuff and then above that is where the other i don't know five six seven rooms that okay. they rent out okay. are um so that's sort of, so that when they're giving the tour, it's on the first floor Got mostly, it. and then Got the grounds it. outside. But our tour, because we were, it was just the, the three of us, and then this this guy, like he got the keys, kind of took us around, um, you know, showed, told us a little bit more of the stories, um, and we were able to go check out my room and their room because we were, you know, it was our group. Um, 
Now, what was really interesting, so as we as he was taking us around, like he had the key to get into like the public areas, but he didn't have the key to get into like um, to my area. So there's two yeah, doors like yeah. on either side. Uh, there's one in the front and one in the back that lead to this main foyer. So whenever he would we would go to like a place, he would he would be like, "Hey, I need your key. I don't have one of these keys. That's a, you know for the guest security." Um, and so I went, I gave him my key, and we went, and he like for some reason like checked the knob beforehand, oh. and it was open. Yeah, which like the the thing with these locks though is like they're the way they're made is they auto lock behind you. Like, yeah, like every yeah. time I left to go anywhere, yeah. I had to constantly use the key. Like it just you can't like unlock it and leave it open. It's Got just it. like a, a locks behind you. So he's like, oh, one of the, he kind of casually was like, one of the ghosts left it open for us, which was really weird <laughs> and kind of unnerving. And then the second the door closed, we checked and it had locked itself again. Like yeah, we had like the husband of the couple like stayed outside and we closed the door and he's like, yeah, no, it's locked. And what he pointed out, which was really interesting, um, is that all the keyholes of the house are upside down. And that's to confuse ghosts. Oh, I read, to go I read about out. that in something. Yeah. 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 And now, the, now there's, I've always heard stories of that. Now I don't, I don't know if it's part of why, but I always also heard, you know, cause I'm from back home in Irish neighborhood. So there's little quirks, you know, that like in Ireland, I don't know if that's their superstition, but that's, they install locks upside down. Same okay. with light switches are inverted there. And oh, stuff. interesting. So in our neighborhood, because a lot of immigrants came over from Ireland, like, a lot of the houses, everything's kind of like flipped. Oh, so wow, I don't wow. know if that was like a superstitious thing that carried over or yeah. if it's two separate things. But uh, yeah, so I, like, I have a picture I'll go through and show you like of the yeah. keyhole upside down and stuff like that. So there's all these little like anti-ghost things that they kind of put cool. in there. Um, and yeah, so then he took us into, you know, the gold room and showed them that. And cause they weren't on the tour earlier, I don't believe. I think they got there later. Um, then we went up to my room. He kind of told us the stories there. So like... Yeah, what was your room? So What's the story? My room there? is like this really big, it's very large, like kind of open room. And then there's this really creepy skinny hallway that goes down the length of it to like the bathroom. And at the end of this hallway is like a window with a shade pulled. So it's just this really eerie, oh, yeah. like straight out of a horror movie. Yeah. Like anytime I had to get up to go to the bathroom, you had to walk down this hallway and there was a window at the end. And I was constantly worried I was going to like walk there and just see a silhouette. Yep. Yep. You know, and just have to like bolt out of the place. Um, and there's a big four posts. Uh, old style bed like kind of tucked in the corner there's a fireplace and everything and some of the stories with uh with that room were that guests would be sleeping and they would feel like the mattress moved down as if someone laid down next Got to them mm-hmm. and they would mm-hmm. smell the perfume of like yeah. the lady of the house now i don't know which whose wife that was in the timeline of all the stories mm-hmm. but that was like a frequent story um that was told i didn't have that experience did at your all. did your room have a name because i know they've named yes yeah, so it was the judge woodruff oh you were, yeah okay, so i was cool. in like the judge cool. woodruff suite um yeah. and yeah i mean i didn't have any obviously it was an impromptu trip so i didn't have any ghost things but i did have like a rubik's cube in my bag so i was like ah, i'm just gonna leave it on the fireplace and see if we wake up and it's solved yeah, you never yeah. know yeah um but nothing nothing of that happened yep. but it was funny because when i eventually did go to bed later when we separated uh you know, and you're in this room by yourself, suddenly you're like, I don't want to see a ghost anymore. Oh, yeah. And I literally had yeah. to sleep facing the wall because the four post beds kind of butted right up against the wall because just looking at the open room and then that hallway was just oh, would way, be too, yeah. way too terrifying. So it took me a while to finally fall asleep, but I eventually did. Um, sadly, I did not hear the book thing because after we got the ghost tour, um, kind of stayed up late with that couple, even though I was kind of, I want to go to bed because I want to see if this like sound is going to happen. Um, but they were, you know, wanted to like do the ghost haunting thing. So we kind of sat on the stairs and the husband had his phone out and he was trying to do EVP recording. So he was asking yeah, questions yeah. and recording and then we played it back, but we didn't hear anything. So he was trying to talk to the, the various ghosts and spirits and like the lady of the house and stuff. Um, so we actually ended up staying up past 
when Rich told me, because at that time I knew what the time was. So we yeah. ended up staying up past that. And I think because we were awake, maybe it, the ghosts didn't want to show themselves. Yeah. Um, but yeah, part of the tour, then we went over to their room, which was the Fannie Williams room. Um, and it's very like, it was pastel colors, also had a fireplace in there. And it's also known as the doll room. Did you did you read oh, about the doll? No, I did not. Oh. I, dolls scare me. That is yes. one of the things that does terrify me. So, so this one, there's like this old porcelain doll um, in this little dress. And he was showing us like old photos of the place. And he claimed, you know, like this, it's like, its expression has changed over mm-hmm. the years. Now, I don't know if it's been touched up because, again, these were black yeah, photos. Yeah. It, it still looked like it was in really good condition. But the story with it is that people that stayed in that room would constantly report things like they would leave and then they would come back and the, it would be, you know, it's, it's usually sitting on top of the fireplace mantle. It would be in like the doorway of the open door or they would leave and go home and then open their suitcase and the doll is in their suitcase and they would call and be like, what is your address? Like, we need to send this thing back immediately. Yeah. Somehow, we yeah. don't know how it wound up in our suitcase. So it's like this creepy uh, porcelain doll. Um, now, I actually, it was funny because when I was, before I got down there, I was staying at like a hotel on the shoot and it was in like a Walmart parking lot and they had, one of those like claw machines, you mm-hmm, know, and like mm-hmm. the, in, like the breezeway of the, the Walmart, and I actually ended up like playing because I was just so bored yeah, and not much to yeah. do there, and uh, I got a stuffed, I guess it's a stuffed animal, stuffed doll of Peter Venkman, like this Ghostbuster oh, doll. That's awesome. So yeah. I was like, we should leave this next to that doll and see what happens in the morning. Like if the ghosts are <laughs> pissed that there's a Ghostbuster doll and it's all torn up or something, um, nothing like that happened. We did leave it there overnight though. I have some photos of that, which are pretty funny. Um, oh, that's amazing. But yeah, so most of it was just us. I mean, I think I just felt like we'd stayed up too long, you know, yeah. and like kind of waited yeah. the ghosts out and stuff. Yeah. And um, so that was a bit of a bummer. Uh, but the door thing was, I guess, the creepiest thing where that was unlocked. But, that, that is interesting. There's a story that Frances has in her books of one of the first times she, I think it was after she had purchased the house and was there alone. And she got like locked into a section of the house. Oh, yeah. And, like, I could easily see that like, happening. They yeah. couldn't unlock it, couldn't, you know, whatever. But yeah, that's an interesting, interesting yeah. point. Now, I don't remember what the story behind the mirror was, but in that foyer of my mm-hmm. suite uh, or section of the of the house, um, there's this giant mirror and supposedly they've had it resilvered numerous times, but these handprints keep keep appearing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and now like when you look at it, it's kind of just like spots. Of, you know, the handprints is a bit of a stretch, and I don't mm. know the science of like silvering mirrors and yeah. with different atmospheres. And now that I've gone through, you know, carpentry school and you see how like moisture and different things affect houses, I don't yeah. know like how that all comes into play. Um, but it definitely makes for a good story. And it does. Cool. Yeah, I've I've watched a lot of YouTube videos are focused on the mirror. I think because people will film the tour. Yeah, I was so trying like, to like do the same. Yeah, where I was taking pictures and videos. Sure. To see if but they say ever... something. There's a cl- the, what looks like it's almost like three or four prints of a paw or like a scratch, like a big yeah, claw yeah. is scratched. And then there's like dripping that they say you know kind of yeah, looks like blood. Um, across the mirror and also people do these things where they take pictures of the mirror and certain parts of the room will get you know interesting reflections which the skeptic in me is like well yeah you're taking a picture of a mirror are you using a flash or is it dusty are there people going in the background there's a million things that can happen with old, yeah, yeah. So there's a photo of the mirror especially I mean, they kind of mirror look like more that. like smudges yeah looking at them um but smudges allow your mind to kind of create things but yeah. Again, I don't mean that to be like it isn't haunted because if it is, this is the place. I love that. Bill is showing me a picture of his Peter Venkman doll next to the haunted doll. Yeah, which is funny because I'm looking at that and I I was just on their website and it looks like they redressed. Redressed the doll? The doll, yeah. Because look at in this photo, it's wearing like a red dress. Oh, yeah. That's a a totally different doll. I was going to say, is that just a different doll? That looks like a different doll, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Interesting. So did they talk? Uh, so they talked you through. Did they talk to you through the seventeenth step, or was that something Rich just told you about? That was something I knew about, and I think he told us okay. you know, on the tour. Like we went over like okay, our cool. impromptu tour. Um, he kind of went through and told us a bunch of those things. Yeah. And Did anybody talk about Chloe besides the earrings? Because I know you saw the earrings. In the chest, yeah, yeah, I mean, but... that was a big part of, okay. of all the lore of everything. Yeah, it was everything that we'd already talked about. So there wasn't nice. much, much new to report. Did uh, anybody else that stayed the night, did you get to talk to anybody like the next day and find out if they experienced anything? No, I mean, other than that couple that we got to know, everyone kind of kept to themselves, really. And they didn't experience anything the next day. When I went back to retrieve the doll. And it's yeah. funny is I don't know what ever happened to that thing. Must have gave it away somewhere. Ooh, yeah. Maybe I just didn't pack it and schlep it back to LA or something. I don't know. <laughs> I would love if Peter Venkman was in the Myrtles to this day. Oh, that'd be great. That'd be amazing. So do you have, where, where do you stand today in terms of the Myrtles? I know you say you're in the middle of like believer, skeptic, whatever, yeah. but you want to believe. You're yeah, like, like, I love, like, go- I want, I love I going to yeah. haunted places yeah, constantly. Like, I love the tours of them. I'm always hoping because I have so many friends that have firsthand experiences. Um, yeah. And I'm always like, I want one to like yep. see what it's yep. like. Um, and yeah, so it's like one of those things where it's like, I'll believe it like when I see it, but I also really want to believe it. It's like, I'm like Fox Mulder. I want to believe. Yeah. yeah. Um, but just haven't had anything presented to me yet. But then yeah. also like when I'm in that situation by myself, staying in that room, trying to fall asleep, yes. you know, your mind plays tricks on you. And all of a sudden you're just like, everything is terrifying. You and... can be the b- biggest skeptic in the world. And as soon as you're in there by yourself at night, I guarantee yeah. you Things very, 98% of you will, you know, yeah, we'll most people. I mean, terrified. we always did ghost hunting as kids. Like yeah. we lived near Bachelors Grove Cemetery, which was like the most haunted yep. cemetery in the yep. country. So we would go there. Um, you know, they had the whole um, uh, St. Mary's, the, the Lady in White. Was Re- also Resurrection. Resurrection Mary. Mary. Yeah, 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 that was another one um, near us. But yeah, one of our friends, like we would dare him at night. We're like, all right, well, you got to go into the, yep. the cemetery yep. at night. So we would drive out there and he would he were like, to prove it, you have to do a grave rubbing. And yep. he went in there and he just went in like it was nothing. Because like, yep. he, he was super, super skeptical <laughs> and was just like, you guys are morons. And they're like, we'll give you 20 yeah. bucks if you do. He's yeah. like, done, easy money. And, Absolutely. I yeah. mean, the, the power of belief. It goes, yeah, there, it there was a, a point. So this is a great story. When we were first trying to find Bachelors Grove Cemetery, me and a friend went and there's Bachelors Grove Woods which are like maybe a quarter of a mile away from where the actual cemetery and all the parking and stuff was. But this was, again, we were in high school, so there wasn't a ton of, you know, internet research. It was just mostly those Chicago haunts books. Because you're 72 years old, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There was a great Chicago haunts (laughs) book that kind of laid out a lot of these things. So you're just following the descriptions. And me and him were walking around trying to find the cemetery, and we were so freaked out that we were jumping at every sound. There was another group of people. We're like, okay, maybe it's not that bad. There's other people around here. And then we later find out we're like, we're nowhere near this thing. So it's all just like the power of suggestion yeah. in our mind of just like where you were. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, so my obviously I did not stay there. So it's it's very different than the firsthand experience. But kind of where where my where my conclusion, if I even if you can even call it that with the Myrtle's Plantation is, is I still need to see more. You yeah. know, like I, I am still a skeptic, but even with learning the history and sure enough, when you learn the history of any haunted place, it's like, oh yeah, that's not true. Oh yeah, that story is not true. Yeah. Or Chloe is, I don't think Chloe ever existed. I think those happened probably in the 1950s. Someone started telling a story and like we talked about earlier, the game of telephone yeah. develops this stuff. But even then, this is a plantation that is over 200 years old. Mm-hmm. There's been murder for sure we know of one yeah there's been people have died of yellow fever probably way more than we know about because records are so terrible in the 1800s it's a working plantation with slaves 
and all we have is little anecdotal stories. How many slaves died? Yeah, and those yeah. that area of the place they never even talk about. How many were treated poorly? Were you know yeah. like to me there is something to say about an old southern plantation that is still around with such a vibrant dramatic history to say that if ghosts are real whether i believe or not if ghosts are real i think the myrtle's plantation should be on the list of like potential places like even though you didn't have your it's still worth checking out yeah Yeah, it was still a cool uh building just in like kind of creepy in its own right yeah so go find out for yourselves yeah Yeah, any other final thoughts before we um no i'm trying to remember if there was like a ghost hunters show that did an episode there. There's a lot of ghost hunters shows. But I mean, like, I think there. the big one. Like, it was either ghost hunters or especially it was it near the time you went. I think I think it might have been yeah, maybe or after I forget. But, but I remember one if it of was them, near like, the time they you were, went, it was probably ghost hunters. Yeah, yeah, there was one that was like they were in like a cabin or something that I never even saw mm-hmm. like, for the episode. Well, there's the that. there's like the caretaker's cabin that they now rent out. And oh, that's okay. where supposedly, you know, a caretaker was murdered. Yeah, that might have been the um, one that they were. So that might have been the one. Which is apparently. weird because that's like, I don't know if that's like the most advertised story. It seems like the main house would have been more of a place to set things up. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe they did both. Maybe they did. I, I think yeah, I actually I saw that. I think I saw the Ghost Hunters episode at Myrtle's. I think they were in both. Oh, okay. I think they went to a few different. I think they were even outside trying oh, okay. some experiments and things. Um, what are your thoughts on the famous picture of of the slave. I haven't seen it in a while. Let's see. Turn it. I like how I tried to turn my monitor. I mean, it looks like there's mouse. a person there. It does. It does. You can kind of see through her. I was I was going to do this. You kind of remember. I think I took a photo of that same area just to. The other one, there is a picture of a ghost in a window behind two women that I do not think is real at all. Like I think someone used Photoshop and didn't even do a very good job. Oh, I see. So I have a lot of big issues with the picture of the girl in the window behind two ladies because it looks like part of the glowing effect of the ghost is coming over the, like, the, what do you call those things, window panes? Yeah, the, um, yeah. I know the name. Because if someone's, um... if someone's using some kind of image editing system, yeah. they can't separate the curtain from the window panes to yeah. create two different layers and put a ghost in there. Yeah, I mean, they could erase the ghostly image from the that. yeah but they didn't because look yeah. it goes but over what if the ghost is coming through the window and it's Ooh. on the other side it's a ghost mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean do you if i was like ten thousand dollars if you get the question correct is that a ghost or not now the i don't know if i could say it was a real ghost i guess if the question was do you think this was photoshopped or not yeah it's a different question That's because a question. that could be yeah. like what if it was just a weird reflection off yeah. of something that was on the property mm-hmm. then i would say if it's between like, is it photoshopped or is it a real photo? I'd probably say it's a real photo. Um, if it's a ghost or not, I don't know. I wasn't there. So. Yeah. And also, just, yeah, I feel like sometimes during the day, ghosts. I don't know. Do they hang out during the day as much? Of course they. I mean, if I ghosts are do, real, yeah. I don't think they're picking times. That's yeah. my personal theory. I I don't think that that photo is correct. And I know this is is a podcast, so I will include a link to this photo in the show notes but it's one of the most famous photos of the myrtles plantation with a little a ghost of a little girl in a window behind two two women you should see if you can hire a forensic photo to see if it's been photoshopped they do that all the time with stuff i personally maybe this is just a good thought to end on i don't know uh but i personally don't try to use photography as a means to like prove ghost or not Mm -hmm. because i think there's so many fraudulent spirit photos yeah 
and, and also so many ways to so many ways to manipulate it today. And, and also, I've been around film my whole life, like yeah. film and cameras, and the amount of weird things that your camera picks up because of a strange reflection, because of oh, if you're on film. Something could be wrong with the frame. The way yeah. the light is reacting to the chemicals on it can mess up for a variety yeah. of reasons. In digital photography, people show things in the darkness all the time. I'm like, darkness is you something. It's a the light sensor yeah. is creating something when there's not enough data there. It's true. So it's literally something is creating something, and that's why you get noise and dark digital mm-hmm. images. And so it's like you can't you can't judge digital photography and dark i know the photo yeah. we're talking about is not it's actually in the day which does does help in that respect but one of like, our photos at bachelor's grove had like the orbs that you mm, always see yep, but again that could be like light reflecting off of moisture in the Bugs, air Bugs, moisture yeah. fog um there's a there's literally an infinite amount of things yeah. so it's like I mean, if you, you can look at a it scientifically photo using like the pepper's ghost effect absolutely you know what i mean things um, like that but if you if you t- look at things scientifically you can't say every orb is some sort of spirit or energy manifestation of something para- paranormal yeah. and that's just again that's just my personal fe- feeling um but i love these things and i want to find the truth behind them and i i do want them to be real yeah. so like i just want to i want people to open their minds and find new ways to to investigate it maybe it has to all be be personal experiences until technology can somehow catch up to it but i, I guess to surmise everything is visit the myrtles plantation if there are ghosts this seems like a good spot yeah so so check it out and we will end it uh at least our portion with bill Right now, Bill, thank you for coming on. Yeah, no problem. Have a good one. Before I end tonight's episode, something just happened to me that I have to share. I've already recorded with Bill. I'm in my office at my computer. I'm mixing sound. I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to say in the outro and record that in a minute. Uh, And my office door just got pushed open from nothing. And my office door, if it's closed all the way and the latch is on it, uh, it's very hard to open. Like the handle is actually hard to turn. You have to push, you have to put a lot of weight into pushing the door open. If the door isn't closed all the way and it's just kind of gently shut, uh, which I do have it like that a lot of the time, it is still hard to open. It's an old door that kind of doesn't fit exactly correctly. You have to put a lot of weight into it. And it just got pushed open. And, and it got pushed open with some force. It wasn't, you know, wind or a breeze that just kind of lightly touched it. It got pushed open pretty, pretty hard, which freaked me out because I'm listening to the Myrtle's Plantation episode <laughs> as I'm sitting here. The next thing that happened, just maybe two, three minutes later, uh, I started hearing voices that I cannot pinpoint where they came from and they sounded like they were in my office. Now, I'm not saying they're ghosts. I'm already racking my brain with all sorts of different possibilities of what that could be. Maybe this even feeds into my theory of how suggestion can actually be a very powerful source of ghost experiences. But I'm a little freaked out. And I thought everybody might enjoy to hear that. Thank you for listening to tonight's episode. We're going to have more spooky paranormal stuff throughout October. Also, we did not plug Bill's work with Bill right here, which is my fault. Bill is a co-founder along with Matthew Lillard, who you'll recognize his name from a ton of movie and TV. They co-founded an independent movie studio called Midnight Movie Club, M-I-D-N-I-T-E, and they're doing amazing things that I'm not going to do justice trying to explain. 
So please visit MidnightMovieClub.com. I will provide links to that in the show notes as well. If you're into indie movies, if you want to work in movies, or you want to have a say in the movies you watch, you should go check out Midnight Movie Club. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. And if you want to find other ways to support us so that we can keep making content for you, you can follow us on Instagram at A Study of Strange. You can email me thoughts, ideas, notes, stories at a study of strange at gmail.com. And lastly, you can support us on Patreon, where we have exclusive content. There's a special giveaway going on right now with a personalized video, and you can find that through our website, a study of strange.com. I'm also going to release some additional kind of personal scary stories on Patreon throughout October uh, in celebration of Halloween, the best holiday. Thank you all again for listening, and good night.